Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Amen. Genesis chapter 2. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 7. We're going to go from 7 through 9, and then we're going to drop down to uh, uh, 15 through 17. I mean, I don't know about you, but this is exciting stuff that I'm getting ready to talk about this morning to me, and I hope it will be exciting to you and help you, and I promise you I won't keep you long and drag out a service. I just want you to hear the word of the Lord and let it touch your heart and help you. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. I hope all of us here today understand that that's how we came about. God created us. We didn't just evolve. There was not a big bang theory that happened and we just evolved from that or from monkeys or whatever. God really did create us and we came, we became a living soul. You will see how much God really did create us if you follow me today. Verse 8 says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So God created man, and then he put man in the garden of Eden. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So there's two trees there that God wanted to talk about specifically. The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So there's two trees, not three trees but two trees. When you jump down to verse 15, it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. This is important. Listen carefully this morning. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, had God said, what did he say? Yea, had God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Verse 7, and the eyes of both them were open. 
the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Today, I want to talk to you on this topic. Had God said, yay, had God said. It's very important to think about what I'm telling you. Had God said. We're challenged in this day to find out, had God said. We understand that because God is the creator, it's important to know what he's saying. Father, touch us this morning. Your word is already blessed. Your people are expecting for you to help them today. Help us that we will leave this place changed. Let there be evidence of your demonstration and your power being in this place today. Touch us, Father, in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, let everyone say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Knowledge has become more than any other time in society. Knowledge has become quite important to us. There was a time where everyone weren't looking to be the smartest one in the room. Nowadays, with social media and with everything that's going on, we're feeling forced to to, to show that, you know what, I, I know something too. And so we're all living this life in society like, well, I know something. And so we prove at times that we know something, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook, email or text. We send things out just to give information. But what we're really saying is, this is what I know. And so knowledge has become very important than any other time in the history of our existence. And so how we conduct ourselves, the things we watch, the things we do, it, it, it has to do with our knowledge. We, 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 we're struggling with, with, back in the day, they would say they're idol worshipers. But most of our challenges in this day is really our own desires. But we got to that point because knowledge, what we know, what we know is driving us to be who we are what we know. And so now you feel like, hey, this is what I know. This is what it is. You know, we like to say it is what it is. We like to say it is what it is because what we're saying is I know and I'm good with it. So knowledge is a big thing to us right now. And we've just been living our life these days kind of doing our thing and almost taking the place of God. In our life. Now, I said this Friday when I went down to the jail. I told him, nobody really do their own thing. Nobody really does their own thing. None of us. Either you being influenced by demonic spirits, or either your fleshly desires influence you, or you allow God to influence you. So let's say you're not being, because nobody wants to feel like the forces of evil is, 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 is influencing their behavior. Nobody wants to feel that way. So let me put that out of the equation just for a second. But let's say 
okay, that's not what's guiding you. Let's just say it's your desire for what you have. Your desires for what you have comes from your flesh. So if the spirit of the enemy, Satan, is not guiding you and the spirit of God is not guiding you, it means your desire, your flesh is guiding you. So you really don't have control. The Bible says no man knows his heart. Only God knows your heart. So if you don't even know your heart, it means you're really never in control because what's in your heart, you don't really know. And at any given time, it can come out. So if you're in control, as you would like to call it, you're really not in control because it's your desire that's controlling you. And we're struggling because we don't know how to get away from our desires. We don't know how to say, I know my desires say this, but I'm not going to do this. And I got the answer for you today why we keep struggling with our desires and can't beat it. I got to be honest with you. It's clear a lot of times. We make a lot of decisions and just say, hey, this how I feel. This how it is. I'm just going to be this way. And, you know, we just leave it at that. But I'm here to tell you today, when God created you, That's not what he intended for you, how to live your life. We must know what God's word says about our issues. And more importantly, we must know what God's word says about eternal life with him or eternal life without him. You see, if God is the author of our faith, And the author of our creation, our existence, shouldn't we want to know what he's saying? Shouldn't we want to obey his word? Shouldn't we want to know his word? I don't know about you, but I hate to use this word, but for lack of better terms, we're kind of being a little bit of hypocrite. Not the way you normally think about it. We raise children and we want them to listen to us. Because we know what's best for them. Do I need to say more? We want our children to listen to us because we say, I know what's best. And sometimes we say, don't question me. You don't, you're not old enough to understand me. Just do what I tell you. And you expect for them to do it. Why? Because you brought them here. Think about that. How did you get here? We're smart enough to know the creator got us here. And so we should know what he says. We should know what he's trying to get us to do. And we should do it. Just like how we expect our children to listen to us. We need to listen to the creator. As a matter of fact, I will even go as far as to say, the more you ignore your creator, the more challenges you will have with your children. Because one thing I know about children Me and you know how to spot people and say, yeah, they fake, they phony, and we won't say nothing. Children don't live like that. If you're faking your phony, children calling you out. They may not say it like that, but they'll argue with you. They'll be a smart aleck with you, and you're like, don't disrespect me. Oh, they're going to disrespect you if they see you doing one thing and saying another thing. So we got to get to the place where if we're going to get our children to respect us, we're going to have to respect God. (laughs) 
If we want our children to live right, walk right, and talk right, we're going to have to do that with God. I'll go even far. I'll put myself out there. If I'm not doing right, it just seems like chaos happens with my children. And I'm just saying, just, 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 just having a bad day, having a bad week. I'm fussing for no reason. I'm murmuring. I'm complaining. I'm, 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 I'm just not right with God because I just allow things to just get in my spirit. I, I'll tell you, if that happens to me, it just seems like that's when the kids are ready to act up. Because I'm struggling with God. And as their leader, as their parent, you struggling with God, what's going to happen to them? They struggle with God as well. So if we want God to work in our life. We need to trust him and the kids will also fall in line. We have put more stock into what we think and what we believe than what God actually says. See, this is the problem with knowledge. Once you begin to obtain some knowledge and you get to know, you get intoxicated with knowledge. And the more you know, the more you want to know. And the more you get to know, you get to do without the Creator. This is why, unfortunately, when you find these really smart people, these really intelligent people, doctors and, 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 and scientists, when you find them, they normally don't know God and don't want to know God because their knowledge is too important. They're saying the things that I know, a lot of people don't know. So they begin to operate like they are the creator. It's hard for people with knowledge to serve God because their knowledge tells them, I'm smart. I know what's going on. I've made discoveries. I've I've, I've done, uh, you know, surgery on people and they've become healed. And so they may not say they're God but they're acting like it. And we as people may not be scientists or may not be doctors and, and may not be those people that we consider smart in life, but the more we get to know, the less we want God because we think our knowledge is the thing that will help us move forward. I don't know how we think we can be smarter than God. But I don't think we really think about it like that. I think that we just obtain the knowledge and we get excited about it and we want more. And before you know, we're losing it because we're in control and we have left God out of the equation. I've learned, man, lately. I've learned to respect the elders more than I ever have. And because what, I, what, I've, what I've realized is <laughs> we think we slick. Even our kids say this to us and we say this. We think that because our elders weren't as intelligent as we are, Brother Clark, they didn't read as many books as us. They didn't go as far in grade level as we did, you know, that they they weren't smart like us. They weren't as intelligent like us. We think because of that, that's why they serve God. Yeah, they needed they needed to go to church back in the day. Because they ain't had nothing. All they did was pray. And we think that was something that they just had to do because they weren't smart enough. That's, that's just good enough for them. Just They need to go to God. They need to go to God. They need to go to church. They need to live this way. And it's unfortunate that they really knew something we didn't. We think of this because they was, you know, born in the 30s and the 40s that they know too much. But I've learned that old-time people 
they really had something. They really got locked in with God. And no matter how smart we get people, no matter how intelligent we get, no matter how much knowledge we obtain, you can't get around God. You will never be smarter than God. Whatever you come up with, it can't be better than God's word. It can't. And we need to realize that God's word is still more powerful than our knowledge. I've heard the Bible. The Bible says God will cause the knowledge of man to become foolishness to him. God's word. We, we think that we have obtained something. We know something. I know what's going on. I talk to people all the time just like I was in the barbershop yesterday. I'm hearing them talking and they're just saying what they feel. What we're saying, what we feel is killing us. Remember... I just told you the story this morning. Some of you heard me clear, but some of you didn't. But let me repeat it again. Every year when the time changes, some of us are slow getting in church, and some of us get in church early, depending on what it is. So when you when you spring ahead, there's a challenge with you uh, coming to church on time, which is understood because we're creatures of habit. So when we have our routine going, when it's time to spring ahead, we say, man. We, we, you know, we, we want to take a time off and say, well, maybe I can sleep a little bit longer because we're losing an hour. But when we fall back, that's the good one. Oh, so that year, that one year we fell back. I came to church and I'm early like I'm always early. And when I showed up, extra people was there that day waiting for me to open the door to the church saying, man, we was wondering what happened to you. And all I'm saying in my mind, all I'm saying in my mind was this the one time of the year you come to church and you mad because I'm here on time, but you got here early just because the time changed. That's what I'm thinking in my mind. That's what I'm thinking in my mind, church. It's true. So they come, they stand at the door. Where the brother at? He always opened the door. I can't believe he's not here yet. I always come 10 minutes to 9, just like any other time. The time fell back, I came 10 minutes to 9. But because their time fell back, they got a little extra sleep, they showed up a little early and blaming me for not being there 10 minutes to 9. When I'm there 10 minutes to 9, they wanted me to come when they came. But what I'm saying is, I'm a Christian. And so I wanted to just go off and just say what I'm saying now and say, listen, you only come to church early, one time a year. I come to church early every time the doors are open and come to early morning prayer. That's what I wanted to say. But I didn't say it. I just smiled and opened the door. Because I'm not going to let my desires, my emotions, my knowledge, I'm not going to make it rule me. I'm not going to make it control me. You see, once I get to know who Jesus is, once I get to know what his word says, I understand that my emotions, my knowledge, no matter what it is, it can't rule me. I have to give the preeminence to God. I have to submit to God's word if I want to make it. It it, it is what it is. I got to submit to God's word. We feel like we know more, so we tell our children more. What is God thinking about us? God looking down and saying, look at you. Telling your kid to do this and do that, and you ain't doing nothing I tell you to do. Once in a while you throw me a bone. Got to tell you all this, and you all have heard me say this before. God's going to help us when we get out of here today. Coming to church ain't doing God no favor. We, we have made coming to church... Like we did something for God. 
Josiah, when we come to church, we don't do nothing for God. When we come to church, we really get more out of church than God get out of us coming to church. Y'all quiet. Now, if you come to church and you really worship God, now you might have something to say, all right, God, I came to offer sacrifice of praise and worship to you. But if you come to church and you just chilled, and while they were singing, if they sound good, you was like, mm-hmm. and you rocking. And yeah, and they singing good, Brother Clark playing good, and you having a good time. But you never did nothing. You just had a good time and enjoyed it, and you walked out of church. Who did you do that for? Then if the preacher says some good stuff, that was good, let me write that down. So now you got some stuff, some, some knowledge. Here we go again. Some knowledge to walk out to practice because the man did say a couple things that I said, mm, yeah. Who did you come to church for? So coming to church, it's not for God. And I guess that's why some people say, well, we ain't got to go to church. If we come to church right, we can please God. You see, God, God established the church. I went through this at the barbershop yesterday. Well, I'm sorry. I'm telling you all all this stuff about the barbershop. But hey, what do you want me to tell you? I went through this at the barbershop yesterday. They said, you ain't got to go to church to have God in your life. And I had to step into that one. I said, listen. Do you all understand that the church is not a building? Do you understand that that stained glass building window is not the church? Do you understand that? They got quiet. I said, the church are people that have surrendered their life to God and became born again Christians. That's the church. So individually, we make up the church. Or if you want to say collectively, we make up the church. I said, so when you go to foreign countries, you might see them having church under a tree. You can go any place, and as long as the believers are assembled together, that's the body of Christ worshiping God. So we can't say we shouldn't go to church. It means we're saying we should never come together as believers. How can you be a believer and never come together? Not to mention how the church operate is what gift God gave you, he may not have given me. However... He wants us to work together. What I have, you don't have. We work together for his good. And if we stay separate, we can never work the gift things together. So that's why we come together. So don't make church be this building that you go in and they make you come in and you got to give money. It's not that. As a matter of fact, I didn't say it today because I was, you know, being nice. But I'm bold enough to say you never got to give a penny when you come in this church. I'm cool with that. I, don't, I remember one time, I remember one time I was in um, our mother church and I was, gave a little spiel. And I said, and if you don't want to give, you don't have to give. Pastor looked up at me like, what are you saying? <laughs> but I'm serious. I just believe God. I really trust God that much that I'm saying, I don't want you to do what you don't want to do. I want you to do it because you obey in God's word. You want to obey God's word. You choose to obey God's word. I don't want you to do it because I'm forcing you to do it. It don't get you nowhere. That's why I say it. Because when you force people to do stuff, even if they do it, it will only be that one time. And probably say, I ain't coming back to that church. So that's what I'm saying. You don't have to give. But once you know God, you understand the principle of giving. You're going to want to give. 
people's knowledge is killing us. Our emotions is killing us. And God wanted me to talk to you today about did he say that? Had God said had God said what you're doing had God said what you're saying had God said it did God say that how you're living your life is it what God is saying or is it the way you're saying it <laughs> I was talking to guys at the jail the other day and it was funny it's we're always in a conundrum and here's what it is when you're locked up if you really become a Christian while you're locked up, not playing the game, but really become a Christian, you get to spend more time in the Word of God. You get to spend more time praying. And guess, guess, guess what, the, what, what the next thing is? You don't have to worry about no responsibility. You don't have none. You can just roll. I said, I got to tell them all the time, get close to God while you're here because when you get out, you're going to have responsibility. And that is a challenge to keep it going. Trying to have responsibility and still live for God. That ain't no joke. And the devil not trying to let you make it, make it, make you do it right. He's trying to mess with your mind and mess with your situation. What am I trying to say why I brought that up about responsibility? If you live according to your word, your knowledge, your understanding, you're now taking responsibility for yourself. Help me, Jesus. If you live by the word of God, God takes responsibility for you. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. I know we want to act like we're bright and smart and got a whole lot of knowledge. And we're going to live because we understand and we know what to do. That's all good if you want to live that way. But I choose to say, God, I want you to guide my life. God, I want your word to guide my life. I won't take the responsibility. I don't want to bless myself. I want you to bless me. You see, when you take responsibility for yourself, you got to bless yourself. What that mean? You got to work three jobs. <laughs> when you bless yourself, Sister Chanel, we got to work a lot of jobs. Because how many of us got the degrees that we need? And even when you have those these days, it might not guarantee you a big paying job. How many of us have what it takes to make six figures real easy? And even when we make that, you know, we're not on top. Yeah, that's not helping us too much. I remember when six figures meant something. It don't mean nothing now. My goodness, I remember when six figures was good. Not now. But I'd rather the Lord have responsibility, Brother Lewis. I'd rather him be responsible for my life. I, I'm not a kid, but I want him to have responsibility of my life. I told him this at the jail Friday, which I want you to think about. Think about this real quick. Until you give your life up to God... To let him have rule over your life, you will never have rule in your life. Let me tell you what it means. It's like a little kid. This needs to be a serious, man. I don't know if I'm going to get done this stuff. It's just so much. God talked to me this whole week about what I'm talking about today. Just the whole week. That's why I'm probably not even in my notes a whole lot. Just the whole week, every day, something different. Here you go, son. Look at that. Read that. But here's how it works. You tell your kids to do something, and because they're growing up, you watch them, Brother Clark. You got to watch them because they don't really know, but they're learning, so you got to watch them. 
and you're watching them do stuff. And so they're doing what you tell them to do. You're in charge and they're doing it. Then after a while, when they learn what you like, then you're really back in charge. The kid is back in charge. Not that they're really in charge, but they're living according to your ways and rules that you have given in to them for them to govern their life. So you really can't have control of your life until you really learn the ways of God. So if you want to really feel like you're in control of your life, learn the ways of God. When you learn those, then God will loose you so you can live according to his will. But when you get first get saved, he got to bring you in. And he got to make you, teach you how to live for him, teach you his word. When you got that, then he kind of back up a little bit and say, well, you know my word now, so do that. Okay, you know what you're doing, so do that. And he won't have to tell us what to do. We'll just know how to do it. And he will bless us. But when you live the way you want to live, that's a lot to think about. I got to sit down and figure out stuff. I got to sit down and try to think of stuff. But when I'm living for God, I just pray. Right, Brother Barry? When I live for God, I just say, God, talk to me because I don't know what to do. And if you don't talk and I don't hear anything, I'm not doing anything. I move slow, man, because God moves slow. There we go. I move slow because God moves slow. My wife get on me a lot of time. Why don't you do this? And I just don't want to move. I don't want to do certain things until I know it's really God. I just don't. I, I get afraid to, because I'll be worried about some stuff I can't reverse. There's some things in life we're going to end up doing if we're not careful that we can't reverse. And we got to live with it for the rest of our life. And I try my best to wait before I do some stuff. Because I'm like, if I mess this up, this is not good. Like putting my kids out. Ready to put them out. But I've been slow on that one. I've been slow on putting them out. I really am, but I'm ready to put them out. I think I think I got, I, I, you know, the Lord has helped me and gave me some courage. And I'm serious. I'm not even lying to you. The Lord has given me courage. And all I can tell my kids is if they know what I know, what the Lord has done in my life, they get straightened up real quick because the Lord has given me courage to push them out. But for a while, I couldn't do it. I'm just like, nah, man. And my wife walking around getting frustrated. They can't stay here no more. They're not doing this. They're not doing it now. And I'm like, I hear you. And she get mad at me because I'm not doing nothing. But I'm just like, I hear you because I didn't want to put them out until the Lord tell me to put them out. Because that's something I can't reverse if something bad happens. You see what I'm saying? If I put them out and something bad happened to them, I don't know how I'm going to live with myself. So I got to pray and say, God, help me to know what to do. And when he gives me what to do, then I operate. Because then I know whatever happens is on God now. You see why I don't want to take responsibility for myself? I just trust God. I will believe God. And I will live and obey God's word. Because he will be responsible for me. And for my children. Lord, help us today. Am I ever going to get this done? So God put this tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Then he have all the other trees. Why would God put that tree in the garden? Well, what kind of God we serve that he's going to put something in the garden and say, and, and don't eat of it? Why would he do that? The all-powerful, loving God put something in the garden and say, but I don't want you touching that. And God, what kind of stuff is that? I'm going to tell you why. This is where we learn right off the bat the power of choice. 
the power of choice. Somebody say the power of choice. God is so the man that that power of choice was going to be the thing that either make us or break us. But he still did it anyhow. Why? Because God was never going to have no puppet being his children. God didn't want puppets. He didn't want people that just do what he said. That's not demonstrating love. You got to choose. And so God says the only way I can have a people like me where I can fellowship with and have relationship with, they got to be like me. They got to choose to do right or choose to do wrong. That's why the tree got there. And, listen, the tree is not evil. The tree is not evil. The tree will reveal evil and good if you eat it. But the tree itself is not evil. I've heard people say, oh, God was the one that started evil. No, he didn't. Evil started when Lucifer rebelled against God. That's when evil started. But God didn't start evil. He put the tree there to say, this tree, don't eat of it. All because he wanted to give us the power of choice. And today we have the power of choice. What are we doing with our choices? What are we doing with the choice God has given us? What are we doing? God took a chance on you, so to speak. He knew what you was going to do or not do, but he still did it anyhow. God took a chance on you. What are you doing with the choice that he has given you? He took a chance on you. That's what he did. He said, I love you, but the only way I can know you love me is if you choose it. I can't make you love me. You got to choose to love me. Will we choose to live to love God? Or are we going to just, just, just make, make our decision to do whatever we want? God gave us that power of choice. Power to want to work or not work. Power to love our children or not love our children. Power to love our parents or not love our parents. Power to love our spouse or not love our spouse. Power to do right or power to do wrong. He gave us that choice. All because he wanted us to love him freely and not by constraint. He could have made us love him out of constraint. You're going to love me. Remember I told you. So you'll get this. Where there is love. Some of you heard this before, but some of you haven't. Where there is love. Where there is love. There's no rules. Where there is no love. There's a lot of rules, Tony. And I'll break it down for you. When you love. That love that you have for that person. Make you do all the nice things that they like. Or all the things that's right for them. When you don't love, well, you got to do that. I'm not doing that unless you do that. Start building up rules. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. What rule did he have that he needed to become man? What rule did he have to say, oh, I have to do this? He's God. He didn't have to do anything. He proved it in the garden. If this be your will, Lord, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine will. 
So even when he was supposed to be going to the cross, he still had choice just like we had choice. So love don't make you have a whole bunch of rules set up how we got to do. You got to be home by this time. You got to do this and, and, and you got to do this and you got to do that. And when we start to say that, I got to question your love. God didn't set rules up how he was going to operate by. His love constrained him. His love made him. His love compelled him to do what he did. He said, I will do whatever it takes to save my creation. If that means give my very own life, that's what I will do. So when we love, whatever we have to do for what's best for that person that we say we love, that's what we should do. And so when we're living a life of saying we love and we got to set up a whole bunch of rules. I just messed some things up a while ago. I know I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just messed some things up. I got the Holy Ghost. I just messed some things up. But, 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 but I am so, listen, got to realize when I preach, I preach to myself too. You see what I'm saying? Barry, when I'm talking about this stuff, I preach to myself to make sure I get it right. I'm a human like you. I go through the same things you go through. So when I'm preaching, I'm preaching to myself too. Get it right, Wayne. Get it right, Wayne. Get it right. I ain't trying to set up no rules. I need to love like God love. It's important to understand the power of choice. God is not going to make you. You have to choose. But a smart individual will say, he's the all-knowing God. The Bible says he's omniscient. You know what that means? He knows all things. God knows your thoughts in your mind, Chanel. He knows what you're thinking right now, and only he knows. The devil don't know. Nobody else don't know. Nobody knows. Whatever you got in your mind right now, God knows it. The devil don't know. So God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. If that's true, which it is, why wouldn't I want to listen to him? Why wouldn't I want to trust him? Why wouldn't I want to do what he says? Had God said, what did God say? Had God said, blah, blah, blah. That's what you need to ask yourself. Had God said it. It's important to know what God says. The power of choice. I'm moving. I'm going to get done in a little bit. I'm going to get done. Just, just let me bring a couple points out to you and, and, and we'll close it up. Knowledge of good and evil. God put it there. Just so we will have the power of choice. God did say that in the day that man eat of that tree, he shall surely die. Huh. Just a quick note. The older, the further you go back, people live longer. I'm sure when God told them when they messed up, they would surely die. I'm sure after Adam messed up, he was like, oh, I'm good. I didn't die. How many of us messed up with God and nothing happened right away? I'm good. I got out of that one. I've learned with God. All of us will pay. I don't care who we are. I don't care how spiritual, I don't care how powerful, everybody will be responsible for their actions to God. 
And so when God says you will surely die, oh, they was surely going to die. But because they was living for a little bit, they think, oh, ooh, maybe this ain't that bad. Man, we got caught many times like that, messed up, and because God didn't just rain down right on us right away, we think, hmm, I might be all right. No, no, no. You're going to have to do the do. you got to pay the cost. Before we sinned, we were innocent. When we sin, we awaken our conscience. And from that point on, we have to now deal with the knowledge of knowing good and evil. Eve visits the tree that God says she shouldn't eat of. The tree of knowledge and good, of, good and evil. Eve walked over, visit the site. After her husband gave it a rundown, she went over and visit the site. Can I tell you today, me, you, everybody in here, that sometimes it's just best, old time people say, just leave well enough alone. Stuff, stuff, stuff that you know you shouldn't do, don't even go by. Don't even get close to it. Just don't even get close to it. Because once you start getting close to it, you start checking it out. We just need to stay far from those things that are not good for us. What God said we shouldn't do, we should stay as far away from it as we can. Because if God said it, it is something true. So we need to stay far away from it as we can. We, we, we can't play with it. We can't think that we can we, we, we can outmaneuver. If God said it, God, God is God. We can't outmaneuver what God's words is saying to us. She should have just avoided it. Romans 13 and 14 says this, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. What did I tell you? Your desires will always come up at you. Your desires will always say, what's up here? Your desires will always call out to you. And if you get close to what the thing is that's inside of you, it might just get you. And so, the Bible tells us, don't make no provision. Don't, 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 don't put yourself in a place that you can get caught up in. You got to say, man, I got to stay away from that thing because if I get too close, it's going to get me. Why? Because God said it. If God said it, I got to know it's true. If God said it, I got to know it's true. Many of our temptations could have been avoided if we stayed away from the environment or that compromising situation. And you know what it comes down to? We playing with what God says. God says it, and we we think we can still maneuver it. Again, where did that come from? Our knowledge. We think we're smart enough to outmaneuver what God says will happen. If God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Has God said? So as Eve visits the forsaken, the forbidden tree, Satan shows up as well. And he starts talking to her through the serpent. And the first word he said was, had God said, he shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Satan's first method of attack on us 
is the question. Had God said, he twisted. He knows how to get us to question God's word without denying it altogether. You ever notice when we tell a lie, we sprinkle some truth in it? Come on now, yeah, start acting like y'all don't tell lies. We tell a lie, and the way we tell a lie, because if you want to be a good lie, you sprinkle some truth. You know where it came from? Satan. Had God said. Here is him. We get ready to see how he worked and maneuvered his way to get this woman all messed up. So he starts sprinkling some, some truth. Had God said. Start messing with her mind. Had God said. So he asking her, had God said. Yeah, had God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Satan's first method on the, on, on, on the attack on us is to question God's word. It's important to know what God says because the first thing Satan wants to do is question God's word. If you don't know what God's word says, the devil will attack you and you will mess up because you don't know what the word says. I got to tell you, and I'm probably going to skip ahead of stuff here. I'm probably going to tell you this. We can no longer afford to quote the scriptures just by cliches that we say. We, 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 have, we have become, what's the word, traditional religious people. And a traditional religious person will just quote and misquote God's word. And that's not good. But we do it a lot. We do it a lot. Misquote and quote. Huh. God said, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge and good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. Satan asked the woman, ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden. This is what Satan is trying to do here. First of all, God spoke in a positive way. God says, you can eat of every tree of the garden, except for one. Satan come and says, man, you can't eat of no tree in the garden? Except, he, he said, you, you only can, you, you, that one tree right there, is that's the, that's the tree God, that God is saying that you can't eat of? He focused on the one tree that God says you couldn't eat of, while God focused on all the trees. And still today, can I tell you this? People don't go to church. People don't become saved. They don't give their life to God because they're saying, I don't want no restrictions on me. The devil has tricked you. Sorry. Because what the devil make you focus on is what you can't do. And God will always focus on what you can do. The devil make you think you can't go here, you can't go there, you can't do this, or you can't do that. And God will make you know you can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth you. God will tell you anything you ask in my name, I will do it. See, God is telling us something, but we don't want to hear it because we've allowed the enemy to tell us the things that challenges us. The devil gives you the negative. God gives you the positive. The devil talks about your restriction. God talks about what you can have. 
God tells us that there are many mansions in my father's house. There are many mansions. And if it was not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And where I go, there shall you be also. The devil don't want you to focus that there's a mansion for you in heaven. He wants you to focus on, man, I'm not living good down here. I need a bigger house. I need a better house. He makes us focus on the things that is small and miss the things that are of God. Here's another thing we need to take notice of what the devil do. God was speaking and trying to get us to understand positive things. The devil was trying to get us to understand negative. Here's another technique. I'm almost there. Here's another technique that Satan uses time and time again. We must watch out for this that Satan used. Satan will put in your mind a quote from the word of God. He will put it in your mind and make it close to what God says. But it won't be what God says. That's what he did to Eve. So he will make you think, oh, yeah. And it will be close, but it won't be what God says. God actually says it. And you start to think, did God say that? And if you don't know your scripture, then you're going to jump on it. And here is how Satan works. As soon as you don't know the word of God, as soon as you misquote the word of God, then he jumps on you. Anybody that don't know what God's word says, you are prime to be deceived and tricked by Satan. Let me give you a scripture. If you go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 10, Satan tried to tempt Jesus, who is almighty God in the flesh. How did Jesus defeat Satan? It is, it is written, and Jesus quoted it verbatim. The only way we're going to be able to stop the devil in his tracks when he come at us is to know the word of God and know it verbatim. That's how Jesus defeated him, and if we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to have to know the word verbatim. I'm not telling you to know the whole Bible. I'm just telling you the things that concerns your eternal life, you better know what the Word says. The things that will take you out of the kingdom of God, you better know what the Word says. The things that will stop you from praying, you better know what the Word says. The things that stop you from giving your life to God, you better know what the Word says. we got to know what the Word says. Every time, the devil, no, you're having a problem knowing the word. Here he comes. You're like meat, a nice medium rare steak. Or well done if you like it. He knows right away. So here's what I got to tell you. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. That's scary. Remember I was telling you that depending on how you live for God is going to affect your children? Here's the scripture. 
Because if you're rejecting God's knowledge, your kids will reject your knowledge. Or they will take your knowledge, which is not godly knowledge, and it will destroy them. So when we don't have knowledge, we can be destroyed. And not your knowledge, not the devil's knowledge, but God's knowledge. If we don't have the knowledge of God, we can be destroyed. Someone asked me the other day, they said to me, this is what they asked me. They said, well, what about people that really never really get to the knowledge and understanding of knowing that Jesus Christ is God and they didn't understand the word of God? What happened to them when they died? Do they go to heaven or do they go to hell? And my response was this. Many of us don't know the word of God, not because God didn't want to teach it to us, because we were lazy or we wanted to do what we wanted to do. God knows your heart. You know, we like to quote that. God knows my heart. He does. And so the deal is, if we don't know the word of God, if we don't obtain the knowledge of God, a lot of times it's because we're lazy, we're complacent, we don't want to study our Bible, or we just want to go by what we desire, and because we know if I study my Bible, the word of God will challenge me, and I don't want to know the word of God. People don't come to church because if they hear the word, they're going to feel obligated to do what the word says. That's why we duck church. Man, I go to church and I'm going to hear them talk about this and now it's going to be ringing in my ears. So when I disobey God's word, it is even more worse than me never going to church. That's why when we're not doing right with God, we try to stay away from the things of God because we feel like I don't want to have to deal with those thoughts in my mind. Let me just act like I never knew. But here's the scripture that tells you my people perish for lack of knowledge. We don't have no way to escape God. So if you're trying to duck God just because you don't want to be accountable, you don't want to you don't want to have to deal with it. The bottom line is God knows that and you still get judged because you're trying to duck the word of God. So you won't be able to say, well, God, I didn't know. He's going to say, yeah, you didn't know because you didn't want to know. You hid from me. You never went to church. You never read my Bible because you didn't want to know because you want to do what you was doing. So I'm still judging you. He can do that. I can't. He can do it. Not me. Not a preacher. The preacher can't do it. Because only God knows your heart. Only God knows what's in your mind. So he can judge you that way. So we can't sit back and say, well, I just didn't know. Help us, Jesus. Then he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, study to show thyself approved unto God, not unto anybody else. You're not trying to impress nobody. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Don't try to impress nobody. You're studying because you want to spend eternity with God. You're studying because you don't want temptation to get the best of you. You're studying so you can be strong when the enemy comes. You will know the word of God. That's why you're studying. Not to say, I know this scripture. I know this verse. I remember, man, and I'm almost done here. I remember we used to have a guy that used to go out with us witnessing in the street. And he will always want to walk with me. Come on, brother, I want to walk with you. You know why you want to walk with me? Because every time I talk to somebody, I will open up the Bible, and I will go straight to a scripture that can help them. And he would just write that down. And he would, brother, brother, where you find that scripture at? Where you find that scripture at? I want to know where you find And that's all he ever did. Walk by me to find out where I found that scripture at. He wasn't studying for himself. He was just walking behind me to get it the easy way. Where you find that scripture at, brother? And he would write this stuff. And, and, and he wouldn't go study it. He would go quote it to somebody, too. Study. It wasn't because he was studying. He learned it just to know and then just go say it. God not interested in us just having knowledge of his word. 
God wants you to just know it and apply it. He wants it to work in your life. So he says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed. Again, if you don't know, you're going to be embarrassed. The devil going to make a mockery of you. You're thinking about embarrassed because people are embarrassing you. No, no, no. The devil going to embarrass you when you don't know the word of God. Hmm. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God's word is what? Truth. We can't be close to God if we don't know the word of God. We can't quote the scriptures close to what it says. We got to know the scriptures. When, when, when the devil, when Eve said, God says we shouldn't eat of the tree, neither shall we touch it, touch it. She added to God's word. You can't add to God's word and you can't take away from God's word. So she added to God's word. That's another signal the devil said, got her now. She don't even know the word. She adding to it. God never said that she can't touch it. She adding to it now. And so when we add to God's word, trust me, Satan is lurking, say, got you now. I know how to get you to do what I want you to do because you don't really know what the word says. God wants us to know what his word says. Because when we know what his word says, we know how to combat. We know how to respond to Satan. I remember, this is the last thing and I'm almost there. Don't mess with um, my friend over here. I remember when I read the word, the Bible says, don't you touch her. If you ain't married to her. Because the bottom line is, God know. We touchy-feely. We start touchy. You start liking touching, and she start liking what she feel touching her. And we get in trouble. That's how it works. The Word said it. God covers everything. And so I remember when, <laughs> I love this. I'm, 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 I'm serious. We, we get, I'm getting ready done. I remember when me and my wife decide to, um, to get married. Y'all don't know this. But I'm proud of this because nobody taught me this, but I did it. When me and my wife decided to get married, I went and got a two-bedroom apartment in Morrisville. Morrisville. Anybody know about Morrisville? Got a two-bedroom apartment in Morrisville, right? Had my wife. I moved her down, drove the car with the stuff that moved her down to Morrisville, put her up in the house while I was still living at my mom's house. I was a new man of God. Yes, I did pay the rent. Yes, 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 yes. That's what I didn't just put her in there. I was paying the rent. I was paying the rent. So I moved her down, put her up, and I was paying the rent. My deposit, my rent money, and I wasn't living there. Every once in a while I drop in. Hey, girl, what's going on? She cooked a little bit. I eat. I thought, and I think, I'm the more sexual one of me and my wife. But here is what happened. Every once in a while, if I take a shower over there, Brother Darrell put a robe on, she would try to grab at me. Now, we wasn't married, and then we was Christians. I said, girl, I'm not, don't touch me. I got mad. I'm like, don't touch me. I'm coming from the world. You don't understand. I don't need to tell you, but I was in the world for real. A couple times, I got my robe on. She tried to, I said, I said, don't, I was like, put the dukes up ready to fight because I'm like, no, because I understood that scripture. Don't touch. 
Because if I would have touched, oh, we would have been doing a thing up in there. Uh-huh. Just being real. I'm just saying when you learn the word of God, you know how to operate. And so if I, I embarrassed her, I know I did. But, but I'm just telling you, when you learn the word of God, you know how to operate. And so I realized what God had said, it's better not to touch. That's what the scripture says, it's better not to touch. And so when she, she, she might have been, been able to touch and be all right. Yes, she was. I remember when we was in the world. I'm killing her today. I remember when we was in the world. We wasn't saved yet. I wasn't saved. She wasn't saved. We was in the world. And, you know, I used to go to the upper deck because, you, know, you know, I'm Jamaican, like reggae party. So, you know, we would leave a little of the, you know, American clubs that close at 2, and then we would go to the upper deck. That never closes, right? We, you know, we, when you come out of the upper deck, the sun is shining. So I remember coming out of the upper deck. You know, we, we went to a club, came on one night. That night we kind of left early. And so we drove home. And my wife was staying at my house, but, you know, my mom don't have it, so she got to stay in a room upstairs, and I'm staying down in the basement, and my mom kind of watched guard. So one night, we trying to slip our thing, and I'm trying to get some. I know y'all say, is this church? I'm, try- I'm trying to get some. And she, and, and she teased me and ran upstairs. We never had sex before we got married. <laughs> We never did. We never did. Oh, I forgot the kids in here. They ain't slow. They know what's going on. Y'all keep sleeping on them thinking they slow. They know what. I'm teaching them something real. Please. My point is, I learned when I got saved the word of God. It is the word of God that had kept me because I knew it. Now, did I tell you I was perfect and I lived it real good all the time? No. Because what happened is, all of us. We get weak at times, and if we don't recognize that we're weak and get replenished and get strong in the word of God and go back to what we know, we will slip up, all of us. But the bottom line is you got to know the word of God. You got to stay on it. You got to obey it. You got to trust God and live according to the word of God. I'm almost done. I'm right there. By misquoting God's word, the devil will get us. We got to know God's word. We got to study God's word. I'm going to challenge you today. All the cliches that you read, God will never put more in you than you can bear. Oh, you know, all things work together for the good. I want you to go back. God knows my heart. All that stuff y'all put together. Go back and look at them carefully and read them. Read three or four texts before it, three or four texts under it, and get it right. Don't let nobody quote it to you and they misquoting it. Don't try to get it off memory and you're missing it. Go and study it and learn it for yourself so you can make sure you know it. I'm closing with this. Will you stand? So you know I'm closing. Once you misquote or do not know the word of God correctly, Satan will then contradict what God says. He must, we must know what God says. There are some well-quoted scriptures that we need to go back to and study because it probably was misquoted. In Psalms 33, verse 6, it says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. If the heavens could be made by the word of the Lord, what can the word of the Lord do for us? It says by the word of the Lord, the heavens was made. 
<laughs> oh my God. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the death in the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to nothing. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And the people whom he had chosen for his own inheritance. Why wouldn't we just love God and obey his word? Why don't we realize that he has chosen us as an inheritance? His word is what's supposed to govern our life. We can't misquote his word. We got to know what his word says. We got to do what his word says. And if we're going to be successful Christians, we're going to have to obey God in spite of how you feel, in spite of your desires, in spite of how other people treat you. I am not going to get to the place where I says, I don't care. I care. Because if I miss out on eternity, oh, God, help my soul. I care. The purpose of today's message is that we will all know what God has said for us to do. What God has said for us to do. What God has said will happen will happen and if we will obey him and if we will trust him it will work the way it needs to work there's things that are not happening in our life talked about that a little bit last week because we haven't applied it the way God has said it we want God to operate on our terms and not his terms remember I told you last week there's things that God cannot do That's a fallacy that we like to say. God can do anything. That's a lie. God can't lie. God can't go against his word. God can't be unrighteous. His nature is holy. So so there's things that God can't do. And God cannot go against his word. God cannot operate in contradiction of his word. So if we want to stop being frustrated, We're going to have to learn God's word, study God's word, obey God's word, and put God's word into practice in our life. If we're going to make it, we got to ask ourselves, did did God say that? We we need to start challenging ourselves this whole week. What, What I'm saying and what I'm doing, is God okay with that? And not according to what you think. Because what you say is, well, God knows my heart. No, no, no. How you're going to examine if God is okay with that is saying, where in the word can I find the actions that I'm doing? Where in the word? Where in the word am I going to find that action to say it's okay for me to do it or I shouldn't do it? Where in the word? If there's something that, you you know, someone said, well, you shouldn't do it. Say, say, well, where in the word that has said I shouldn't do it? 
can I give you an easy way how to do that? Matthew. You don't have to bring your Bible out. Do you want if you want? Matthew 22. Verse 37. Anybody have it then since you get it out? Matthew 22. Verse 37. I'm going to give you the easy way to accomplish what we just talked about here today. Had God said when you find it, if you want to read it out loud for me, that'd be great. Matthew 22, verse 37. Uh-huh. Go ahead, read the next one. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. It's very difficult. While you're studying to learn the Word of God, it's very difficult to know all what God has said. The things you know God has said, do it. The things you don't know, keep studying. But here is how, when you come to a crossroad, you make the decision. You ask yourself, what demonstrate love and what doesn't? When you don't have the answer according to what God has said, Follow what I'm saying? So if there's a situation that comes up and you're saying, I I didn't study that, so I don't know where that is. I don't know what God has to say about that. Ask yourself, where does love come into that equation? Because love covers a multitude of sins. What love does for you is it helps you to always make a godly decision when you do it out of love. You following me? Because you don't know. And so you're not going to know everything as you keep studying. But when you have to make that decision, say, how do my actions demonstrate love? Love to God and love to the individual. How does my action demonstrate that? And that's how you're going to make that decision if you don't know what the word says about it. That's how you'll make the decision. Through love. That's why I mean my love has no rules. Because when God loved us, he just did what it took to help us. And so when you don't know what the word is saying about your actions, ask yourself, if I do this, will that demonstrate love? If I do this, will that demonstrate love? One last thing, because I'm reading your mind. No, I'm not, because God, only God can read minds. Here is the one last thing. I gave you Matthew. Now I'm going to give you 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Just write that down. Because we are distorted in what we think love is. We learn love from who raised us, and maybe who raised us didn't know love. That's not a knock on who raised us. What I'm saying is we need to know things according to God's word. So before you say, I'm doing this out of love. Go to Corinthians. (laughs) You follow what I'm saying? Before you say, well, I made this decision because I didn't know what God's word said about it. So I made this decision out of love. Before you make that decision out of love, go to 1 Corinthians and read it. And then that will tell you if it's love or not.
I kept you a little long today, and I'm, I apologize for, for keeping you so long because we pride ourselves on not to make our church services long. Maybe I just needed not to do anything else but just pray, but just preach, I should say. Maybe when I came in, I should just say, nothing goes on. I'm just going to preach so I can do the whole hour and 15 minutes through preaching and never did anything else. Maybe that's how I got to think about next time. But, but my point is, I need you all to understand that the devil is getting the best of us because we don't know God's word. The devil is working us overtime because we don't know God's word. The devil is tricking us and deceiving us because we don't know God's word. And when we stand and say, I don't care, he worked you overtime because as a person that's supposed to be a person of God that don't care, the devil will have you for lunch, have you for dinner, and then have you for breakfast the next day. He will have you because you can't say you don't care because only God can keep you. And if you just ignore God's word, you can't be kept. The devil will take care of you. That's what God sent me here to tell you today. The devil will have you.